Well, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to the podcast. Got Clint Casper on, and uh, we were just talking. You, everything starts for you in August. You were saying, yeah, yeah, my man. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me on, dude. First and foremost, pumped to uh, finally connect. It's been a minute, <laughs> a couple months of trying to get everything to collaborate here with our oh, schedule. Yeah, I know. But trying to grab you. Trying to grab you, uh, like in the late spring or early spring, was like, yeah, I'm, I'm in. Oh, it snowed again. I'm not. In. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's not not good. Between planting and work and yeah, yeah, spring was rough, man. Yeah, yeah, but uh, but yeah, I guess Clint, uh, Clint's an outdoor writer. Uh, you write tons of different articles on mule deer and elk. And do you, do you do whitetail articles as well? Yeah, I mean, that's what I cut my teeth on is whitetail and turkey. So I write yeah. full time for Peterson's bow hunting um, with Christian and, and Jeff and all those guys over there. And then, um, but over the years, I mean, I've done a lot of stuff with like deer and deer hunting and North American whitetail, um, bow hunter, bunch of stuff online, go hunt on X, you know, but home base for me is Peterson's bow hunting now. Yeah. So pretty much primarily focus on every issue for them. And then, I sub a little bit of stuff out here and there, but yeah, no, I mean, I've done probably more whitetail articles than anything over the years, just cause that's what, you know, being here in Ohio, that's my bread and butter is whitetails and turkeys. But yeah, I mean, the West is definitely, uh, the West swooped in and stole my heart. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. It seems like every time I'm following you on Instagram and whatnot, it's like, Hey, new article on mule deer. <laughs> new yeah, article yeah. On elk. I do. Uh, <laughs> I got a pretty sweet elk story. It'll be in this next, yeah, be the next issue that hits uh, doorsteps from last year's Utah hunt. So yeah, I mean, elk's a pretty second close. It's pretty hard to beat chasing bugles around, but yeah, Uh, for it is, it is. That's like the hard thing about like uh, being in being in the Midwest is like everybody and their brother knows whitetails, and that's what you're after, right? Essentially, and then and then you kind of like it's almost like you're cheating on your home country and you're like, ah, I'm going to go out West. And then I'm just going to, you know, I mean, the mountains are beautiful. The game is awesome. Like yeah. it's not a, a sit in a tree stand and wait type of hunt. It's go right. get them. It's an aggressive right. hunt, yep. which is what I love about it. Right. And then you yep. come back yep. after you elk hunt or after you mule deer hunt, you come back and you sit in a tree and you're in there for like 30 minutes and you're like, we're, we're still here. Why are we not oh, yeah. moving? Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's such a, it's just such a different type of style of hunt. I mean, it's so, uh, I think I like it a lot just because so much is dependent upon, you know, like your mindset, the gear you've got, you know, just, there's just so many intricate levels that dive into like, say a backcountry elk hunt or a backcountry mule deer hunt where, you know, you're not coming home at night, you know, your home's what you got on your back. It's just a whole different mindset. You know, it's, it's just, I like it. I always say those are like my title fights. You know, I mean, like I get to test my metal, you know, when I'm solo in Colorado or solo in Wyoming or, you know, wherever I'm at this year, I'm all over the place. I think I'm in uh, Utah, Wyoming, then Colorado, then back to Utah, then Idaho. So that's like my August 15th through October 30th Western schedule. I think something like that. Dang. (laughs) Yeah. That's a, that's an awesome schedule to have. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i mean a lot of um, trying to coordinate with kids and i mean yeah a lot of a lot of stuff a lot of a lot of moving parts in there but yeah i mean i wouldn't trade it it's uh yeah i'm pumped to get rolling that's for sure oh. so what's your first hunt what do you got going on 
Uh, Hold on, wait, before you answer this, by the way, everyone, if you're listening to this, we are going to talk about gear. Uh, That's the overall like arcing theme here is where we're going to jump into uh, gear that people can essentially like what's good, what's bad, what's worth the money, what's not worth the money and just run through all the different stuff so that if you are going out West here, most people head out West, you know, mid September, early September for elk. If you're doing that and you're trying to buy some stuff last minute, this would be a great podcast to listen to. And on the flip side, all the gear that I bought for elk hunting like six or seven years ago when I first started has been phenomenal in the whitetail woods. Like I, I wouldn't even yep. consider going back to just your, your standard stuff that you would buy at uh, any old store. So anyway, where are you starting? Where are you starting in August? Uh, August 15th kicks off. I think it's, yeah, 15th kicks off uh, Utah. Uh, I got an early season. Um mule deer tag so that'll be fun chase velvet around so nice. and then uh out there for seven ten days somewhere in there and then come back for a week head to wyoming with kurt good buddy kurt guy over working yeah. class bowhunter podcast my homies over there shout out to them he drew an awesome wyoming uh, mule deer tag so me him and our good buddy Devin leonard we're all going to go and try to help kurt get that tag filled and then i'm going to leave from wyoming and immediately head to colorado to go solo chase mule deer, come back for like, I think I'm home for two weeks. And then I head on my uh, elk binge and uh, start off in Utah, chasing bulls the end of September. So that's kind of like my August 15th into September. Then I got whitetail stuff mixed in, some late season. Um, everyone always wants to know in November where I'm going whitetail hunting, but honestly, it's it's where I'm going to go chase the mule deer, right? I'll take the mule deer right over the whitetail rut any day of the year. It's uh <laughs> just a lot more intense, a lot more fun. Like I try to kill my bucks early as far as white tails go early or late, uh, November, man, I want to go chase the muley rut. It's just, it's just fun, man. Run around the mountains and, and chase the old, uh, the old bucks of the West, uh, running hot does. It's pretty fun. Yeah. I would, I, I would imagine I, so, well, personally, I've never done mule deer rut at all, but I would also, I, I can imagine like sitting on a, sitting on a knob, glassing out and just seeing deer like all over the place is pretty cool yeah i mean just to watch different bucks coming from miles around because the hot does in the i mean yeah it's just it's just a cool i mean i don't know everyone's always like man you're 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 cheating on your your white tails that you cut your teeth on i'm like i'm not cheating (laughs) on them i'm like i divorced them before i went over to the old deer and then that way it's not cheating (laughs) (laughs) oh that's awesome yeah, I mean, and and you certainly can. Like, that's the thing about, you know, your home area, your home state or or your home turf, I should say. Like, it's hard to kill stuff early season unless you know the land or late season. Because it's because yeah. the, the deer, like early season, the deer can be so spread out. They can kind of be anywhere because food's anywhere and all that. And late season for deer, it's really about, like, where are they concentrating and where are they herded up, essentially. And if you don't have that, in your area like yeah. you're not gonna kill them so like some property that's why some properties are so good late season and some properties are so bad late season it's kind of that that all or none type of thing yeah yeah that's my favorite <clears throat> my favorite times early and late just for that reason because pattern i've always lived and died by patterns kill big deer and i mean you can pattern deer early and pattern them late it's just a lot of leg work you know i mean i run a ton of trail cams ton of glassing in the evenings i mean it's a lot of leg work but I mean, I've killed the, I think, oh man, outside of maybe 
four or five, my 16 or 17 um, that are on the wall that are PNY or better, I've all been earlier late outside of maybe four or five. That's just, that's, that's where I do my magic. I like, but like I said, though, usually I'm hunting a specific buck or a specific buck or two. And it's like, I want to find that pattern early, try to get him killed in the rut. You have no clue what's going to happen. And then late there again, you're trying to focus on, you know, they've got a strict feed to bed, bed to feed pattern. And I'm trying to go in and figure that out and kill them, you know, kind of essentially either in their bedroom or in their kitchen. So yeah, <laughs> I do, I, that's the one part about whitetails I do love, though, is and I, I always have that. I love that chess match. Like the rut, just yeah. uh, jump into a tree and a random big buck walks by and you shoot it. I mean, that's cool. But for me, that's not what like I'll take an October hunt or a January hunt any day over a November hunt because I like playing that that chess piece game. Of right. knowing, you like you know, the strategy. Yeah, I just, you know, the random yeah. luck in November is cool, but <clears throat> I just, you know, for me, I want to hunt a specific buck and try to go in and beat him at his own game, not just random luck, you know. Right. Yeah. And so that's why that's I mean, and you can do that in your home turf. And it's so yep. hard to do that. Like uh, like uh, I went I went to Idaho uh, two or two years ago, I think. Yeah. Season uh, for elk in August, yep. early August. They have a few cow tags that you can get. Yep. Um, I went there and that was so hard just because you had to like it was first time setting foot there and you had to just go find them and they're on their feet for the last you know the first hour and the last hour so if you're not in the right spot you you don't see them and oh yeah i guess maybe they're not here yeah i've always said the hardest part about killing elk is finding elk that's for sure and people (laughs) think that's stupid until they go do it because they're like it's a 900 pound animal walking around the forest i'm like yeah okay take that philosophy out there let me know how that works for you like it's it's not quite that easy Right. Yeah. I know you think it's like, yeah, there's a horse running through the woods and then you get yeah, out there. Yeah. You're like, and there's like 50 of them in a group. Like it can't be that hard to find them. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. Exactly. Let, and then let me know see. how that works out for you. <laughs> I've, been the, I've been there, done that. <laughs> right. No shit, dude. I, I fully agree with that. It's uh, that is the hardest, the hardest part. I mean, you oh, yeah. eat, when I was hunting a few times out West, um, I would for, I had three hunts, that were nine day hunts. And I got, uh, in total, I had about five opportunities at elk across those three hunts. So 27 days, I went with my buddies last year who had scouted a unit and had been hunting it for three or four years straight. Oh yeah. What's that? I said, that's a big advantage there. Oh yeah. yeah. We were in elk every day. Oh yeah. Yep. Right. And that's, and that's what, and we didn't even, we only killed on the last day. But, uh, but it was one of those years, man, I'll be honest, a guy from our group, we had seven guys in camp and all of us shot elk. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah. It was pretty unreal. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's the, that's the advantage of having, having people to scout. Oh yeah. (laughs) And that's why I could see, I could certainly see like, if you kill a buck in September, you're just like, all right, what am I, or October in in Ohio, you're like, all right, what am I up to? I'm going to the November rut for mule deer. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Then you're out there. So, so with all this, with all this going on, let's talk about what's in your pack, like what you're, yep. what you're running. And I, my, yep. my thought here is let's start from the ground up. Yep. Let's start with like essentially boots. What, yep. uh, what do you, what are you personally running for boots and what do you find is important in a boot? 
So, I mean, you know, there's a couple, what I call like key ingredients, you can call them your lifelines to essentially a Western hunt or a backcountry hunt. And it's gonna be a little more important on a, this type of hunt than say just walking a hundred yards to a tree stand, climbing in, climbing out, going back to your truck. Like, yeah, you still need boots, but realistically you could get away with almost a pair of Crocs on certain days with that. <laughs> Whereas this style of hunt, your whole hunt's gonna depend on your feet. I mean, you get blisters on day two of a 10 day elk or mule deer hunt, excuse my French, but you're pretty well fucked. I mean, that's just, I mean, and I'm just going to cut it to you straight. Cause I've been there. Like that's bottom line. I mean, so yeah. for boots, I mean, I consider that maybe the most important thing that you're going to actually like wear put on. Um, I would probably put it right up there with your clothing, because like I said, essentially if your feet go to hell on, you know, early on in the hunt, you're in trouble. I mean, you're not going to walk up this and down this with blisters and heel bite or the balls of your feet are on fire or your boots are too small and your toes are cramped. I mean, it's just, it's a, I would say on, an, on a mule deer hunt, it's pretty standard for me to have 10 to 12 miles a day. Pretty easy. Um, if I'm sitting on a buck, that, that could be different. You know, I might, I might walk three miles, get to a vantage point and sit on a buck all day. Um, walk three miles back of it. I've only done six, you know, but on just a standard day of moving, I'm, I'm, you know, I move camps a lot, you know, live off my back. So I'm trying to stay with the buck I'm after, or sometimes hell, I'm just trying to find deer in general. I mean, it's nothing to put 10 miles a day on. So you take that over eight days, you got 80 miles, at least with a 40, 50 pound pack on. I mean, you start doing the math, your feet are taking a beating. Yeah. So elk can be last year it was, you know, 14, 15 miles a day. So, I mean, you know, trying to keep up with, with a herd, find elk, et cetera. So, I mean, you're putting a lot of miles, a lot of wear and tear on your feet. Um, if you're going to hunt steep stuff, like I'm usually in Colorado or Utah, Wyoming, you know, I mean, ankle supports is, is important, um, especially for the elk guys, mainly because once you kill one or hopefully kill one, now you've got a hundred plus pounds on your, on your back, at least four or five trips. If you're by yourself, if you got buddies and you're lucky enough to, you know, have help, you might only have one or two, but a lot of weight on the ankles. So I personally run all crispy stuff. I've got their, I run their Thors, which is like a, almost like a beefed up tennis shoe. I think they're like one pound of boot. I'll run those for like antelope, um, high country, early season mule deer. Um, I've run those in elk season, good ankle support. Um, I like their lacing system. So a lot of people don't realize, you know, there's multiple different ways to lace your boots to your feet. So like for me, my, <clears throat> my heels will move sometimes. Just the way I walk, the way I hike, my heels sometimes have a lot of flex. You can lace your boots a certain way to where it locks in on like where like the tongue would be of your boot. It'll keep your heel pushed in. So, I mean, I like crispy system. They got a really cool lacing system. You can lace those a couple of different ways. In my opinion, that's huge. It gives guys an advantage there. Because the biggest thing is usually your heels. Where most guys get screwed is your heels. Okay. You get blisters, you get sores, you get soft spots that form. Before you know it, you've got like what they call the waterbed effect going on. You've got this smushy, wallowed out water looking spot, which ends up turning into a giant blister, which ends up bleeding, which ends up you're either going home or you're in pain every step, which completely takes the fun out of your hunt. 
So, right. you know, but there's a lot of good boots out there. I mean, you got Hanwag, Zamberlin. I mean, I, I'm personally a crispy guy, Kennetrek. I mean, a lot of these high-end boots, what I tell people is buy a pair, put 10, 12 miles on them, see what you think. If they seem like they fit good for you, put another 30, 40 miles on before you ever go. I mean, I'm a 40 to 50 mile break-in guy. That's just what I like. Um, I've noticed for me, a lot of the crispies do not need that much. Some boots need a little more. Some boots need less. For me, the crispies have never need needed 40, 50. But that I like to put that on in the summer when I'm shooting, checking trail cams, when I'm, hell, I jog and hike in mine all the time. I mean, I just like to get my boots flexed out and ready to rock and roll to wear when yeah. I'm actually going up and down. My boots already know, like, hey, like, we're broken. We're ready to rock and roll. But um, some people really struggle with the footbeds as far as getting hot spots on, like, the, like the balls of your feet. Sure. I mean, they make a lot of different insoles. One pair of my crispies honestly feels the best when I pull the insoles out. I run nothing in okay. the boot. Yeah. Um, they just, I think that's my Colorado's from them. They just fit. That just fits my foot the best. Um, my heel locks in the best. I have no movement. Um, but yeah, that's my biggest thing is honestly, you know, your the way they lace ankle support. Um, obviously you want them to be waterproof and, and most of them now are either Gore-Tex or abs, you know, or they're full leather. That's a personal preference. I mean, you get a little more flex out of like Gore-Tex than you do like leather, but there again, though, that's all personal preference. I mean, some guys are, are huge on leather. Some are. So that's something that you just kind of got to figure out. But what I will say to close off on boots is don't skimp on that. I mean, buy the three, $400 pair of boots. You will be so happy that you spent that money there and not elsewhere on about day six when your feet are not on fire, they're not bleeding, you're not taping and, and pulling out your blister kit every morning. I've been there. I've done it. <laughs> It's a bitch. It's not uh, fun. You're, you're going to hate your life. You're going to wish you weren't there. Like, I mean, the first bull elk I ever killed and packed out, I had blisters the entire, the entire time doing that. Um, it was awful. I mean, it absolutely sucked all the fun out of me even killing that bull because my feet were literally bleeding. I was stopping having to retape cotton balls, you know, cutting pieces of my shirt off to put on the blister and then tape around because I ran out of band-aids and Neosport, like, just don't do it. <laughs> do not do that. <laughs> yeah, that does sound like it can ruin a hunt pretty quick if, if that's oh, what's yeah. going on. Oh, yeah. man. The so, right boot for the right situation, um, proper fit. You know, if you're a size 10 and a half, get a 10 and a half. Don't run a 10. Don't run an 11. You know, make sure you right. got a boot that fits you perfect. And uh, you'll be, like I said, buy a high-end boot, spend the money, and you'll be, you'll be happy. Break those puppies in a little bit, and you'll be ready to rock. Got it. All right. And I will certainly second that. Um, I've never had the blister issues or anything like that, but the first year I ever went the one I was reading some article and I remember reading like, do not skimp on your feet, get no. good ass yep. socks, get good ass boots because yep. if you fuck your feet up, you're not going anywhere. Yeah. Well, socks are, socks are another big one. I mean, I, I run a couple of different types of smart wools and I started running these socks last year um so it's like a double sock there's a liner sock stone into the sock itself okay i'm trying to think of who the hell makes these ones um gosh darn it i'll have to get i'll have to get back to you on that you'll have to bring that up later on at some point um <laughs> but 
I'll put it in I, the I show notes. You'll year. you'll think of it and send me. A yeah, spot. I ran those last year, and um, man, they, they they were great. I mean, they were freaking awesome. I mean, they're expensive. I mean, they're like twenty five bucks a pair. So okay. I got like three pairs, and that's usually what I'll do is I'll wear a pair in and bring two, and then I can rotate. So, you know, every every day, I'll run a pair of socks usually for a day or two, and then rotate. So I can get basically six days of fresh socks out of those three and then i'm recycling that first pair back but i've already let it dried out turn it inside out right. for a day washed it in a creek or something let it dry you know i mean so i'm i'm kind of regurgitating those three um save on weight and wear a pair in take two extras so then you know you've always got a two backups and you can just kind of keep rolling those around but yeah socks are really important too i like to just stuff them in my bag until they turn like crispy and then i try to put yep. them back on <laughs> that's perfect that's perfect yeah that'll that'll keep it from slipping inside your boot absolutely no slip there right yeah yeah no i'm totally kidding A anytime when i'm out there even like i've never done uh an overnight backpack type style hunt we've always yep. had kind of like a base camp you know you leave yep. every morning come back but even then like when we're out hiking i will bring my old socks with me because just because i know i'm not uh yeah, I'm not doing some big overnight thing. And yep. when we find a water source, I'll rinse them out and then just hang them from my bag, you know, the rest yep. of the day and let them dry. Uh, yep. but yeah, I, I, I think that's a great idea. One of the, one of the other things I wanted to mention about boots real quick is I think people don't understand the longevity of a high quality boot. Oh, right. 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 I, I think people yep. look at that. It's like $400 for a pair of boots or 450 bucks. Like, holy shit, you know, but then you go, okay, how many are you going to buy over the next 10 years? And how many elk hunts right. are you going to go on? And how often are you going to use these? Yeah. Like yep. these things will last 10 years and, and companies like crispy and these high end companies, like they honor their, they honor their gear. Like if it falls apart in year one, like they're going to help yeah. you out, you know, yeah. Oh yeah. It's not like they're yeah, going like, mean, oh, thanks. Got, buy another pair. They've got wax and they've got different lubricants and stuff to put on them. I mean, I've got a, I got a pair of, um, they are the crispy, the Brickstoles, and they're like, uh, so they're 200 grams. I got some insulation. I run those in late season on like uh, mule deer hunts or later on in the year for elk hunts. If it's going to get cold or snowy, they've got some insulation, you know, um, they're all leather boot. I've had those for four years. And I mean, those things get pounded here in whitetail season, shed season out West. Um, I've had them on, on turkey hunts whenever it was kind of cold and I needed something with a little bit of insulation on a chilly morning. I mean, those things I've seen sure. hundreds a day in the field. They're a couple years old. And I mean, I freaking put some crispy cream on them and they look like they're ready to freaking brand new, man. Yeah. Do you wear, do you wear your, uh, like your Western boots, whitetail hunting? Oh, absolutely. I'll never go back to rubber boots. Okay. You know, I just, it's, I just, I like being nimble, man. And I do a lot of like, um, hang and hunt style. Sure. and whatnot with sticks and a stand on my back so i like to be able to shimmy up shimmy down and mm -hmm. i just i like the feel of it i like to be able to feel what i'm doing climbing up in and out of trees and, and i mean it yeah. just they're just so light you know i mean i've got a pound per foot a muck boots a couple pounds per boot and it's just like i just feel like i'm walking with cinder blocks so yeah no i mean i pretty much run my crispies year around you know if it is like ultra ultra cold i'll throw like i've got my um Arctic pro muck boots with like a double pair of socks on. But I mean, we're talking late January, early February, because our white tail season goes into February. We're talking late, late when it's 10 degrees, 
foot and a half right. of snow, you know, wind. I mean, it's got to be brutal for me to throw rubber boots on. Yeah, I think I think those rubber boots really caught fire because of the whole scent thing when that when scent right. elimination was huge. Yeah, um, and not that it isn't anymore, but it's kind of played its course in the marketing materials, right? So, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. uh, and then people people still have them, but I mean, you wear a good pair of Western boots, and then you go back home and you throw on whatever. I have buddies that run like 600 or 800 gram thin slate boots. They put them right. on and I'm like, dude, you better be walking like less than 200 yards or you're oh, going to oh, be yeah. sweating your, your balls off yeah. with those things. Yep. Yep. Yeah. 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 I mean, my feet sweat and that's, I'm sure yours do as well. That's why you have that liner sock in there for those yep. socks and those uh, rubber boots. They just trap all that moisture in oh, that yeah. boot. There's no yeah. breathability, no breathability to them. Yep. Yeah. So I just like, if you're doing any sort of the only time I've ever really worn anything like that is when I'm doing some sort of public land hunt and I know I'm going through water, water. Yep. Yeah. And that's, that's when I'll wear them. But even, um, but even then like half the time, I'll just strap them to my bag. I'll wear them. Yeah. I'll wear them across the water and I'll dump them right there. I just wear hip boots, not uninsulated yep. hip boots. I'll just roll those things up, wear them across the water, dump them right there go yep. to my stand, whatever, come back, pick them up, yep. cross the Creek and then keep going. But absolutely. Yeah. All right. So, and I, I agree The the thing I don't like, I have, um, God, I think there's, there's schnays, but I think they're bear tooths or bear claws. Yep. Mm -hmm. I forget which one they are, but the thing that I don't like about them in the whitetail woods is they have a super stiff bottom. So yep. there is like, you're not really stalking very well. Like if you're trying to right. creep through and dodge leaves right on the, on the floor, you're not yep. doing that very well. So I need yep. to get in that sense. I think like something like one of those crispy Thors, like those more of like a, yeah, a it's got a very, it's got a very athletic, like a very athletic flex to it on the bottom there. It's, it's like a tennis, yeah. like a, look like a beefed up tennis shoe, but I mean, you can, I've yet to take those off to put a stock on and I've killed antelope in them, mule deer, elk. I mean, whitetails, turkeys, I've yet to have to take those things off to where I felt like I was going to gain something by taking them off. Okay. Awesome. All right. So socks are important. Have you remembered the brand of those yet? I have not. It'll come <laughs> to me. Sure All right. So I ran darn toughs last year. Um, I like yep. those. Those are pretty good before that. It's funny because that's what they are. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah. You can, yeah. uh, Shout out to the homies over at GoHunt.com. You can go over to GoHunt.com if you're a subscriber for them. And uh, you can go get yourself a couple pairs, get some points, get free gear with that. So there you go. Okay, perfect. Yeah. So, and GoHunt, if you don't know, you want to tell them what GoHunt is? Yeah. So just real quick for the guys that are wanting to dive into Western hunting, GoHunt is kind of like your internet all access pass to everything that's going to be Western public land hunting as far as tags, how to draw, where to go. Brady Miller and the gang over there. I do some writing for those guys. Uh, great bunch of guys. They got a gear shop. They've got uh, 3D maps now. I mean, they got a ton of shit going on. I think it's 150 bucks a year. Get you access to everything you need. The store, you know, the whole nine yards. Um, I could sit here and talk about it for 30 minutes, but just take my word for it. Gohunt.com. Type it in. Go check it out. You'll be happy you did, especially if you're a guy that's just diving into the Western stuff. They do a great job of breaking down things. As far as like your tags, the draw system, what states are good for, you know, for this and for that. You can put in how many points you've got, the unit that you want to hunt. It'll spit back to you what your percent 
odds are of drawing that tag. I mean, there's just a, there's a ton of tools and resources on there for a Western guy, especially guys that are maybe traveling like me. I live in Ohio, but I'm out West all the time. It's just a really easy way for me to keep track of what's going on. They're constantly coming up with, you know, new systems, new ways, you know, every state's got a different draw system. It seems like now they break down all that. It's like I said, it's a, it's a great tool. I'm sure you probably use it or you're on it. So I'm sure you can second that to what I'm saying. Yep. I've, I used it. I used it one year for sure. When I was really trying to plan out, I was yep. trying to plan out a hunt and I was like, man, where, where can I go? What can I do? And I, uh, yep. yeah, I was on it for one year and it's, it's a great system and it's like getting cheat codes to be honest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, I mean, even just trying to like get preference points or get points in a state yep. can be difficult yep. to like, just figure that out. It's like, how do you guys not make yep. it easy? Like, <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, you can figure all that out. So anyway, yep. That's, that's go hunt. Um, so yeah, you can get socks there. Uh, darn tough. Yes. I was very happy with those. I ran, yep. um, some other ones like, uh, uh, I think they were just like smart wolves previously. Yep. I think that's just what I ran. Um, but I was pretty happy with the darn tufts. And you mentioned insulation. I run everything uh, uninsulated and also uh, for the socks, just like the warmest weather ones I can get, like yep. the lightest set. I yep. didn't, I'm never running anything pretty thick, but that's because like I'm sitting here doing this podcast and my feet are sweating. Like that's, yep. that's the type of dude I am. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. the opposite. I, I can go walk three miles and my feet don't sweat at all. <laughs> Lucky you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So, um, okay. Socks, boots, socks. Now the big one clothes, man. <laughs> yep. Another, I, I mean, so you're, you're, uh, you're living off your boots. You're living out of your pack and you're living in your clothes. I mean, that's the big three as far as um, outside of your shelter, you know, if you're going to do a backpack style hunt and, and, you know, but you're, so your clothing, it's got to be a system. Um, I think a lot of people get screwed right off the rip because they think, yep, I need a jacket. I need a pair of pants. I need something to go under them um, and a hat and some gloves and we're ready to rock and roll. Maybe, maybe a rain jacket and all right, let's go do the damn thing. And then, so they go to Colorado on day one, they, they start up the mountain and it's 50 degrees. And then by 11 o'clock, the first storm rolls through like they do every day. Hail, snow, sleet, rain drops down to 30. Then by one o'clock, you got to have your sunscreen on and throw your hood up. Or you're going to get fried because now it's 78. And then by three, it's temperatures falling. It's back down to 50 again. And then by the time you get back to your camp at night, it's down to 28. <laughs> well, I hope those four pieces of gear you brought, I hope they're fucking super badass because you, you just went from 28 to 78 back down to 30 all in a 14 hour span. You saw snow, rainbows, hail, sleet, rain, all in that same amount of span. So my point is, is you got to have a system and you got to, I'm constantly putting layers on, taking layers off, but it's a, it's a system to keep you warm, keep you dry, keep you comfortable, and may, most importantly, keep you alive out there. Um, everybody that knows me knows I'm a big sick of guy. I mean, guys can take it, hate it, love it, leave it. You know, what, whatever you want to do with it, that's fine. Um, me, though, I mean, I'm trusting my life to that system. I mean, that just, it, it's what works for me. Um, 
I can take a few pieces of gear in with me. Um, and I know it's, it's not failing me. I mean, you know, um, I don't need two pairs of pants. I can take in one pair and I know I can get them dried quick. If I need to, I can throw them in my sleeping bag at night. Um, you know, the, the, I've always got a rain, I've always got a rain system. So, you know, that acts as a second pair of pants, I guess you could say, but if yeah. I really need, you know, if I really needed those, I could run them. I'm running the new dew points this year, uh, tops and bottoms from Sitka. But yeah, the biggest thing is, you know, I mean, like I, I've always got a, uh, what I call like a, a multi-tool pair of pants. So like I run their mountain pants a lot and that okay. can take me from 20 degrees probably all the way up to 70, depending on if I want to run, you know, like I'll run like their mid-weight um, core bottoms underneath that. So I'll take a base layer top, usually a mid-weight, a base wear bottom, usually a lightweight, a pair of pants. I'll have some form of a jacket, whether it's like a Kelvin Active Light jacket for early in the season or might run like the mountain jacket later on. Um, I've always got a vest. I run vests a lot. A lot of times mm -hmm. I'll have just like a, a, a pullover or, or like one of their hoodies on, but the vest on top of that, and I'll run that all day because my arms and stuff won't get cold, but my core is what, you know, what will. I've always got at least two pairs of gloves, stocking cap, and a puffy jacket. A puffy's dual purpose. I run that as a pillow. I'm going to glass in that in the morning and evening. Um, I can sleep in that. If shit hits the fan and I can't get back to camp and I'm stuck overnight, I can put the puffy on for warmth. I can put my rain jacket over it. And now I can pretty much ride out in any form of weather and I'm going to stay warm and dry. Um, I've had nights where I've had to do that. Wasn't exactly the funnest thing I've ever done, but I'm here to talk about it today. So, <laughs> it happens. you know, but yeah. it's, it, it's a system. I mean, you yeah. know, and, and all that stuff goes with each other. It's not just you take in three pieces of gear and those three will cover everything. It, it's, that's just not even possible. Um, you could maybe get away for a few days doing that if you had the right weather. But a lot of my extended hunts where I'm by myself are at least seven, if not 10 days, two weeks, whatever. You're not getting away with that's, uh, you know, a shitty system on a hunt like that. You're just not, you know. So yeah. having a system where you, and a lot of it's what you're confident in. I mean, a lot of guys love first light. Kuyu, you know, there's a bunch of different brands out there. I don't care what you run, but they all have a system, you know. Yeah. This piece fits together with this piece to fit together. I mean, like, it's it's all a system. And when I lay my stuff out for a trip, it's always, okay, starting at the coldest part of the day to the warmest part of the day, back to the coldest. Here's what I'm going to bring with me. Here's what's going to be in my pack. Here's what I need. Right. A lot of that stuff's super lightweight. So you're saving on bulk. You're saving on – and a lot of it's, like, multi-use. You know, like, I can run my vest. Um. I can run my Sitka vest and instead of taking a jacket, if I don't want to take a jacket, if I want to leave it at camp that day, I can run my vest. And then I always have my puffy with me. So, you know, like there's some hunts where I don't even bring maybe like, a, like early in the season, I won't even bring a jacket with me. I'll have like maybe like the uh, apex hoodie plus my vest. I've already got my, I always have my rain jacket and I've got my puffy. I don't need to have another jacket. I, I'm, I'm good on that. So I just save, right. you know, 15, 16 out, you know, so like I said, like you, you kind of got to put it together on style of hunt you're doing, the temperature, weather, all that. And you can put your system together. Not every hunt am I bringing the same stuff. You know, it, it just depends on the season and kind of where I'm at. But um, socks, I do three pairs. 
underwear, wear a pair in, take two, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it'd be great to have fresh underwear every day. It'd be great to have fresh socks every day, but you start adding up those ounces day to day to day to day to day, you know, there again, you're running into, yeah. you know, you can't have 40 pounds of clothes um, <laughs> on top of everything else you got, or you're going to be carrying it a hundred pounds. So it's like, you know, right. it, it's, it's all a system that goes together. Um, but yeah, clothes are a lifeline, man. There's no doubt. I mean, you're, uh, that's keeping you alive per se. Yeah. I think I, I, I've, in my experience, my limited experience, I certainly agree with the, with the layering system. And I think people underestimate what it's like when you wake up and it's 25 degrees and you throw all your yep. shit on. And then by 11 o'clock, it's 75. And yep. by yep. one o'clock, you're trying to just not bake in the yep. sun. Right? <laughs> yeah. And yep. then yeah. And you, start, and you start going back down. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it, heaven forbid you step in some shade because then it's 30 degrees cooler. You find some shade on a north facing yep. slope or something. And you're like, all right, I can. Yep. I could take a nap in here. I see why all the elk sit in here, yep. you yep. know, um, it's, yeah, I think people underestimate the, the difference in temperature ranges, um, especially yep. coming from the East, which are Midwest like us, where it's really flat land compared to that. Like you just yep. don't have those massive swings. No. Um, and, and as far as the layering goes, so, so just to repeat what you said, it was essentially a base layer system, then yep. like a mid layer system. Yep. and then an outer layer and your yep. outer layer you like uh a vest a puffy and then your rain system so you always yep. you have those really small um rain jacket and pants that you can yep. like roll up to like a softball right oh yeah yeah super light those. yeah and those just stay in your bag and that's for essentially rain and rain and emergencies but it also yep. right protects against wind a lot of them are able to, oh, yeah. to protect against wind and hold body heat in like yep. you were saying that's why it's so advantageous to throw that puffy on underneath oh um, yeah yeah i mean that, that puffy's uh yeah that's a lifesaver in many different ways for sure yeah i i personally i've never ran vests but a lot of the people that i've talked to that are big western guys like you are like vest vest get up yeah man, get i like vest, it anthony because there's there's just there's no bulk <laughs> on your arms your core is where you want to trap all your body heat so it's like for yeah. me man like, i'm a huge i i if you were to go down through my Instagram and look at photos, man, like white tails, turkey. I mean, I'm literally always have some type of vest. On. I mean, that's just, I'm just, I'm a vest guy, man. Like, and there again, <laughs> some guys love it. Some guys hate it. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. But for me, like, that's a, that's just a really good system for me. Maybe that'll be, yeah, maybe that'll be a, a purchase. I, I might, I might have to buy one of those this year. Just they just come out. out. So if you if you're going the sicker route, they just come out with their new Aerolite vest. Um, I just got it here a week or two ago. Um, I think today they just released it actually. Um, okay. But um, it's pretty. It's got so it's synthetic um, instead of being just straight merino. It's synthetic, so that can actually get wet and still retain warmth. So I'm super pumped to run that thing okay. this year, just because it's. You know, it's essentially a puffy vest that's made of synthetic material. So you can actually, like I said, get that thing damp or wet and it's still going to retain body heat, stay warm, and it'll dry out quick. So gotcha. pretty pumped about that. All right. Yeah. We'll have to check that out. And this podcast will air in a few days. So even if it didn't come out today, hopefully it comes out within the next couple of days. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I saw something this morning on Instagram that they were releasing the Aerolite jacket today and i think maybe the vest tomorrow but yeah check goes out there okay. uh, yeah it's a pretty dope system so if you're if someone said to you hey man i need a i'm going out west and i only got 
about 400 bucks to spend on, on clothes. That's what my budget's allowing. Um, are you buying like, uh, are you buying like the mid layer pant and the mid layer top or, or are you spending money on base layers? Mm. Yeah. I mean, with only that, I mean, I'd want to get either, it'd either have to go on, say like a puffy or a pair of pants and a mid layer or something because you're like the stuff you're going to be in the most is where you want to spend your most money. And I mean, like, okay, for me, like those mountain pants, I'm in them every day. Um, sure. Yeah, probably, probably I'd say an outer layer is in like pants and then some type of either like the apex hoodie or a vest or something else that's going to be ran over top. Um, just because you're going to wear that the most, you know, you won't wear a puffy all the time. You're not going to wear your rain gear all the time, but like pants and like that outer layer, as far as that goes. Yeah. I mean, you're going to be in that a lot. So I mean, yeah, that's I think, I mean the I pant, your legs typically are just like two layers, right? Usually it's, yep. it's your base and then your pant. Yeah. And a lot of where times, you could have like five or six layers. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. And a lot of the times I've only got just the pants and boxers on, you know what I mean? Like it's gotta be pretty cold for me to have to run a base layer. Okay. So, you know, pants, underneath. Yeah. so pants buy, buy just, the hundred, $150, $200 pair of pants. I mean, it's, yeah. And I mean, and, 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 and they have, I mean, you can find them out there. I mean, like I said, there's different companies, different prices. I mean, they're out there. It's just, you definitely want to find something that's going to adapt well to your system as far as yeah. what you're doing. That's the biggest thing. It's I would. Just, yeah. My, my, so I ran, uh, merino wool outers one time yep like in those i, I would not recommend those again they mm -hmm. tore the fuck up like yep. they oh, were, yeah. i beat the piss out of them um yeah. in a week so that was a and i called first light and i was like hey man i beat the piss out of these and they're like oh, yeah, yeah. It's not really meant for that <laughs> so no nope. nope. uh that's what i would certainly suggest is get a, a not a thick as in warm pant but a thick as in like hardy like a, a pant oh, yeah walk through a lot of brush and a lot of crap yep. and it's not going to tear and rip right. Um, right. so yeah that's a and that's essentially what those mountain pants are i run by no means am i like beholden to first light or anything but i do run i bought into their system yeah uh, probably like three four they years have a nice ago. System. what's that they have a nice system yeah yeah i bought into their system like three or four years ago and not that you can't mix and match right it's not a oh, absolutely. where, where right. you can't mix nikon and with canon or whatever but right, right. but it's it's only cool if you have the same camo on everywhere right right <laughs> uh, and, and i mean you know i'm typically not cool because i wear a lot of i'm a solids guy i'll take solids over camo any day man i just i just i like running solids and uh people okay. always say, i was gonna ask well, you which, like, which sidka pattern is most effective <laughs> and for me i don't know it'd be tough um solid solid color you know, perspective it, yeah i mean it's it, yeah i mean i run a lot of solids um i really do you know and then i'll mix and match it i mean i don't know for me man camo comes down to a huge marketing deal in my opinion you can yeah. you can wear anything and if you don't move and play the wind like i was i still could have killed everything i've killed wearing whatever as long as I did my part, didn't move and played the wind. I don't think it matters whether I had on red, sub out, I mean like sub alpine, um, 
cryptic set locks and real tree. It, it, I, I just, I don't buy into the, the camo patterns at all. That's, I don't, yeah. I mean, I think that's a human, it is what it that's is. a human, uh, a human aesthetic thing. Oh right. yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, I w- so yeah, I mean the point, the point of a good, of a good system from like Sitka or first light or Kuyu or any of these other companies is not that it is, uh, not that it's the camo that's going to save you. It's, it's the material that this clothing's made out of. Oh yeah. It's yeah. the comfort yeah, that you're going to receive over the course of those 10 days Yeah. versus, you know, it, it, the easiest way I've ever been to explain this is, you know, when you, when you get a pair of jeans from your aunt or your uncle or cousin for Christmas or whatever, and you put them on and they're just scratchy, uncomfortable, and you never fucking yeah. wear them again. Yeah. You, that's, that's essentially what it's like is wearing crappy gear. And then you get a nice pair of jeans. You're like, yes, I'm going to wear these jeans pretty much yeah. every day. Cause they fit yeah. well. They're comfortable. Yep. That is, that is like what happens when you buy high-end hunting gear. And then you, you go back to low-end hunting gear and you're like, guys, uncomfortable. It doesn't fit well. It's baggy. Like these pockets are not in the right spots. Like I, you know, I'm just not interested in it's, it's hard to go back <laughs> once you, once you start buying the high stuff. All right. Yeah. So Clint and I just had a, had a snafu with the audio, but we're, we're good to go again. And, and I did realize that Clint is sitting on a, on a child's two-year-old chair. <laughs> it looks like Paw it belongs Patrol, at man. a. I got a, I got a shout out to my little guys, Keaton's two and a half, Easton's five. Big Paw Patrol fans. I'm hoping Paw Patrol like hook me up as like some type of sponsorship or something. Like I can like try to promote Paw Patrol in the hunting world to kids. And then, you know, I got tables and chairs and I mean, every toy they make. I mean, I don't know if Paw Patrol guys are watching this, like, dude, let me help you guys out. You help me. We'll work hand in hand. I don't know if you guys are in the mule deer game or the whitetail world or, but we can take Paw Patrol to like wherever level you guys want to go. I mean, what is, oh my gosh, whatever you want to do. I don't even know what Paw Patrol is. And I got I got a two and a half year old, so I imagine you know what Paw Patrol is? Is your kid under a rock? No, yeah, I guess. All right, look it up. Get put Paw Patrol on your phone. Your kid will love it. I mean, it's probably the worst idea you'll ever have because you'll have Paw Patrol everything in the next year, but like troll as in T-R-O-L-L. Oh no, no, no. Paw Patrol. So these are all puppies, these are all dogs. Oh, like Paw five, Patrol. Like, yeah, Paw Patrol. One's yes, like these are the dogs. One's I got gotcha. you. One's a construction worker. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. I've had All right. I know what you're talking about. Parties and, oh, yeah. I thought yeah. you were saying like Paw Patrol from the Trolls movie. I was like, no, like- <laughs> but I had to struggle through that too. God, I hate the troll. Oh, geez. that's that's tough. That's that hard. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure I can hear that on my TV upstairs right now. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, Nothing's worse though, not to get, <laughs> I promise we're going to get out of the kids shows here soon, but <laughs> the one that I hate the most, I, I, I cringe is that freaking Peppa Pig. Oh my God. That's I'm the not, worst. Yes. Don't ever let your child ever even figure out what Peppa Pig is. You, you no. will want to blow your head off. I, I agree. Don't like kill. I will sit there and watch a lot of these cartoons with my kids. Not that one. We're not watching. Yeah. That. No, that's... we're flipping on dino trucks and rolling. Yes. Pro <laughs> pro tip. You've got children, no Paw Patrol or sorry, no Peppa Pig. Paw Patrol's all right. No, no on the Peppa <laughs> no Pig. No Peppa deal. Pig. Peppa Pig. Uh, um, 
All right. All right. Jumping back to it. We were talking about clothing. Yep. Uh, yep. And talking about what we were going to buy. So essentially the comfort, we were talking about the comfort level yep. factor uh, of high-end clothing. So, yep. you know, that's, that's really what it's meant for. It's meant for wicking sweat really well, keeping you dry, keeping you comfortable on the whole hunt um, throughout yep. many multiple days. So like you were saying, yes, you can kill stuff in red, in red clothing. You can kill anything in just t-shirts and jeans if you want to, yep. but to live in that for nine days, 10 days, 11 days, even six yep. days. And if you're hiking that many miles, like talk about the chafing that you're going to get from that oh, type yeah. of stuff and just yep. how uncomfortable you're going to be after a few days, yep. like you can grit it out for, for a few days. But after that, yeah. man, it's just like, oh, I wish I would have spent some money on this stuff. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, all right. So boots, socks, clothes, um, gloves and, and hats and all that. It's kind of, I feel like that's up in the air. Cause it's not a huge, it's not personal a huge preference. Thing. I mean, yeah, you got Merino, you got synthetic, you got a set. I mean, it's, that's, that's all in kind of yeah. what, what style of hunt, what you like, you know, I'm not a glove person. Um, I cut my fingers out of everything. I shoot straight back tension. So okay, I'm, like I have not shot an animal. I couldn't tell you how long it's been with a glove on my release hand. Okay. I mean, I've got frostbite on these two fingers <laughs> from killing a white tail in January um, in five degree weather, because I just, I I've got to feel what I'm doing. Took my glove yeah. off and, and let it, rest. it is what yeah. it is. That's just where I'm at, you know, but that's all personal preference, but. Um, okay. Probably, so what, a, what about a bag? I was going to say, yeah, so that would, pro I mean, that, in my opinion, your pack is essentially probably, um, if not your, my most important aspect, it'd be my, red be right up there tied for first with important. So boots and bags, boots and bags. Yeah, I mean, you know, your, your boots, bags, and your clothing, those three um, on any hunt is going to be about as important as anything. Your bag, essentially, I mean, that's your that's your multi tool. You're carrying everything in that. You're carrying, hopefully, a buck or a bull out with that. You're carrying every day with that. Um, you're living out of it. So, yeah. buckles, straps, shit breaks on the hike in. I mean, good luck trying to mend that together and carry 50 pounds. Then you kill an animal, and it's like you know. And I have people all the time. Ah, oh, man, I can't see spending five, $600 on a pack, whatever. I mean, I'll be the first to tell you, like I run all Kafaru. So I've been running Kafaru now for seven or eight years, work hand in hand with those guys. Shout out to Dana and Frank and old Aaron, old Snyder over there. Um, I couldn't imagine not running a Kafaru pack. I just, I couldn't imagine. I mean, I have put those things through the test of time. They could carry more weight, like my hoodlum, my 44 mag um, this year I'm running uh, the Nargali a new system from them that the bag will carry more than my back and legs will ever be able to carry. I mean, and I know that. So, sure. you know, I mean, I've put 120 pounds of elk meat plus part of a camp and took off up the mountain. And I mean, like I said, I will wear out before that bag ever will <laughs> buckles snaps. Um, you know, how stuff is made and the quality and how it's stitched, how it's sewn together, all that. I mean, 
people don't think about that kind of stuff until you got 80, 90, 100 pounds on your pack and you, you got seven miles to get to your truck. I mean, at that point in time, that shit's all a big deal now. So for me, you know, um, like I said, I'm a big Kafari guy, but there's a ton of good companies out there. I mean, I'm not going to say, you know, there's some guys love Stone Glacier. Some guys love EXO. I mean, you know, for me, I like the Kafari system. I like being able to take bags on, put bags off as far as they've got, you know, I've got a whitetail bag. I've got a three to four day bag I'll run. I've got an extended, you know, I mean, I've got four or five bags that I can put on my one frame that'll accompany everything. Um, right. You know, you've got built-in frames, you got external frames. I'm an external frame guy. I like to have a frame and a bag that goes on it. Um, I feel like weight transfers and carries better. I like a meat shelf. I like to be able to put meat in between my gear and my back and compress it. Some guys absolutely hate that. They want to put their meat in their bag. I don't like getting the inside of my bag all fucked up. Blood <laughs> and everything else, I just don't. You know, I just, I'm just not, I like having my gear in there. Um, sandwich it all together but i mean that you know your pack like i said essentially it's got to be the right fit it's like boots it's got to be the right fit you know not every pack's going to fit every guy you got you know like i've got 26 inch stays they make 28 inch they make 24 inch depending on your height you know i mean i'm kind of like right in the middle 510 5'11. so not super tall but not short so that you know like you, you've got a different you got to find a pack that fits you and something you're comfortable with um but the main ingredients there are just knowing that your pack's not going to fail you. I mean, I've seen guys come into the elk woods with a pack that I wouldn't have taken in the whitetail woods. They throw a 50 pound couple back straps and some neck meat inside this bag. There's no way to cinch anything up. It's just flopping around, you know, meanwhile, I can strap 120 on cinch it down. My pack doesn't move at all. And these guys are walking around with 50 pounds swaying like this. I mean, imagine your back and hips after a few miles of doing that shit with only 50 pounds, let alone right. hundred or 120. Yeah, I mean, it's just, a, it makes life a lot easier and you're going to be the guy that's super happy. You spent the extra money and those bags will last as long as you want them to last. I mean, it's not like they're going to wear out in a year. You know, you spend that yeah. kind of money, realistically, you could run that bag the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, for me, buy once, cry once, spend the money, buy a really good pack, buy a pack that you're yeah. comfortable with, that fits you. you. You call into Kafario, they can take your measurements. Literally, Dana and Frank and those guys will actually custom tailor you with a bag, you know, or with a frame and a bag, the accessories, the pockets. I mean, you can switch and swap. That's what I like about their system is you can just mix and match so much stuff to fit your needs. Right. Certain hunts, I have no pockets. Some hunts, I have a bunch of pockets. Um, just depends on what I'm doing. I run a lid sometimes, sometimes I don't there again. It's just all depends on what I'm doing, but the system works no matter what I got thrown at me. That's my biggest gotcha. thing on packs is spend the money, find a good system, just like boots or clothing, no different. Um, you're living out of that thing, man. That thing breaks on you. You're in trouble. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. And I am a, I'm a Kafaru guy as well. Yep. Um, I enjoy the, the Kafaru podcast. I enjoy Aaron. I enjoy yep. Frank. Um, and all their stuff's made in the USA. I enjoy that yep. as well. Uh, I've had one of their packs for eight years and one for, I just got another one last year. Um, like you said, they, they are expensive, but the one I've had for eight years, nothing's broken on it. No. And, nope. and you're like the zip, like just the zippers, man, you get those cheap packs from like a fleet farm or uh, that's, that's yep. what we got in Wisconsin. I don't know if you guys have those there, but a fleet farm or or like a Walmart or whatever. And you're just like, oh, it's a, you know, a $60 pack or whatever. And all of a sudden like the zipper sucks and it breaks and 
it's not working well, or you try to buckle something in and the buckles won't even buckle because there's too much tension on them. They're just cheap. Yep. You know, like that's, that's the stuff that'll piss you off when you're miles back and you're like, yep. yeah, I just want to strap this on and it won't work. Or you're dropping, you yep. drop your water bottle because of it. Now your water bottle has gone because the buckle wouldn't hold or yep. zip broke, whatever it is. I, I certainly agree that you want to spend money on the pack. Um, like I said, I Kafaru, you mentioned a couple others, uh, Exo, Stone Glacier, yep. Uh, yep. Ranch is another one that a lot of people spend yep. money on. And I think the, I think the, the thing you need to look at in a, in a pack is find your, find your budget and what you're willing to spend and take a look at these companies, figure out where the price range is, and then start doing your analysis for, what you want to buy within your price range and how that all fits together. And you got to remember, like, like you said, there is, there's two parts to it. That was one of the biggest struggles when I first started was like, wait, I got to buy a frame and then a bag and the frame is like $150, $200. And the bag is also $200. How, what? (laughs) So, yeah. yeah, So, and that frame is essentially for anybody who, who doesn't know that frame is, exactly what it sounds like it's just like stabilization for everything so that when you do throw on that 50 pound or 60 pound or even like 100 120 pound hind quarter and you're like i just need i need it to hold <laughs> this thing oh, needs yeah. to stay yeah. still side to side movement is the killer you know as you're walking if you've got that weight shifting on your hips and your back constantly doing this shit, I mean, you're only going to get so far before your back and hips are just on fire. And now what was already a tough, daunting task has just turned into a, why the fuck am I doing this again task? And that's, and that's yeah. not where you want to be. You know, I mean, it's, it's I'm pulling this out. I'm going to debone this and I'm going to uh, figure out a way to take this into two loads. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're, you're, you're elk strewn across the mountainside in different stashes and caches. Yep. Oh yeah. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. I, I do think that the pack and I have not, I've spent the money and I've cried over it. I'm like, God damn, why am I spending this much money on it? And then you do your hunt and you never have one complaint about your bag at all. And you're with your buddies who didn't do that. And they're complaining about their bag the whole time. Oh yeah. Um, it makes you go, all right, it was worth it. And this is also yep. going to last me again, like your boots, 10, 15, 20 yep. years, depending on how well you take care Absolutely. of it. Absolutely. Oh, and like I said, it's a it, confidence is key in the back country, whether you got a base camp, you're, you're camping off your back. Like I do You're solo. I don't care what you're doing, but it, confidence is everything. I mean, and yeah, you got to know that this gear you've got in the field with you is going to last, going to hold your confidence in it. Mm-hmm. So for me, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll pay the extra, whatever it is for that added security of, Hey, it's, it's, you know, it's confidence. And now that I've got yeah. Paw Patrol sponsoring me, I don't really need to worry about <laughs> prices because they're, they're going to put the bill out for all this shit. So I'm really going <laughs> to up, up the ante. <laughs> oh man, dude. I I'm just seeing, you know how they had that, uh, they have some camo that is like, uh, what is it? Duck camp camo or there was that bare naked lady camo for a while, which was like naked. It was like, it was like an outline of a woman and it was pressed yeah. on the camo and there's just a ton yeah. of them in different colors. Right. Yeah. yeah I yeah. can just see you, you rolling into the woods with a paw patrol, you know, all outlines of them. on all of them. Yeah. <laughs> all, <of it. laughs> uh, um, all right. So that's the, that's the bag. Um, what about what's, what's in the bag? So let's cover, um, let's cover non 
non-sleeping. So not sleeping bag and tent, but yeah. your, other, your other stuff, like a essentially first aid kit and yeah, other sure. random crap that you go in there. Yeah. First aid kit. I mean, I've got, you know, I'll have my um, tripod and spotter will be in there okay. um, as far as glass and stuff goes. You take that. Um, so like if, if somebody's going on their first Elcon or something, um, what, when, when are you taking a tripod and spotter? Like what are the conditions for elk? Well, for, um, I, yeah, I mean, I guess and that can, I mean, elk or mule deer, like what are the, are you always taking I mean, it with mule deer? Mule deer. I'll never not have my big spotter. I'm going to have an 80 or an 85. Um, this year I'm running the, uh, I'm testing out the, uh, the Sanium from loophole, their new spotter. I think it's okay. the SX4. Um, I think it's it's a 27 to 55 to 85, I believe. So it's a big one. Um, yeah. I usually, I mean, I've run a lot of Maven stuff in the past. Um, really have liked their stuff. I've got an 80 from them. Um, Swaro 80s. I mean, you know, so I want a big, I'm going to carry the extra weight. Yeah. Um, mule deer, I'm looking in shadows. I'm looking in rocks. Like I need to pick apart country like that. But I do 85% of my glassing with a good set of binos. Um, I'm an 11 by 45, 12 by 50 guy. I put them on a tripod. Um, I put them on my bino adapter and I'm doing all my searching and, and my finding with that. And then I zero in on stuff with a spotter. But I mean, if I can do most of my glassing throughout the day with binos, um, it's way easier on the eyes. I can cover a lot more faster. 12 by 50 is like a small spotter. Um, today's world, like the uh, loophole, the BX5s, um, running those this year. I've run the Maven B2s, um, both lightweight, both have a really, really, really good field of view. It's like a small spotting scope with half the weight, you know, probably a third of the weight. So um, a lot of my elk hunts, I'll run a tripod and just my binos. Um, won't even run the spotter. Um, I don't okay. need it. Mule deer, absolutely. I would rather only take three arrows into the field, but a spotter than take seven arrows and no spotter. I mean, I'll, okay. I'll take my chances on, I need one arrow, but I want my spotter over, you know, so your other stuff. Okay. Yep. But yeah, tripod, um, spotter will be in there. First aid kit. I'll have, you know, my, my food and kind of like my, um, what I'm going to eat for the day. Sure. Water bottle will be in there. I'll have my, my knife system and my, my kill kit. So I'll have a, I got a little Kafaru pull out. I got, um, I got one of my ultralight Taito knives in there. That's a replaceable blade. I got a solid Taito in there for if I need to um, debone and, and bust and pry stuff. Some extra blades. I'll have, you know, tags. I'll have, you know, um, paracord, some, you know, just everything I might need to start in after something's killed. Um, I'll have my camera gear in there. As far as in my bag, um, chargers and whatnot, I'm running a yep. goal zero flip 36 right now as we're doing this podcast and my phone was going to die. So, you know, just everyday stuff. Um, I got, um, I'll kind of have like a bag that's got extra batteries, um, some duct tape, just kind of like some expendable shit that I might need. Um, a few Allen head wrenches for my bow or, you know, if I would need something like that, just, sure. you know, your simple everyday stuff. My puffy's always in there. Rain jacket's always in there. Um, I've always got a blister kit that's in my, my little, um, field emergency kit, you know, so, I mean, nothing, you know, just a lot of stuff that there again goes into the system of, you know, a lot of times my stove, um, fuel, stuff like that, I'll leave at camp. 
Um, I'll leave that. I don't, I don't usually bring that with me. Um, I'll have my snacks and different things I need for the day, but I don't, I usually don't carry a meal with me or anything like that. I'll, I'll eat that, you know, when I get back to camp. Um, so that's kind of what all's in the bag. Okay. I mean, you know, and a lot of that's. Yeah. What are your favorite, uh, what are your favorite snacks to bring with? Um, as far as like meals go, I run pretty much all off the grid. I run all uh, off grid food company, Spencer and those guys over there do a lot of work with them. Um, really like their meals low on salt. Um, yeah, I mean, they've got a lot of really cool, just cool ass meals over there, okay. different stuff. Um, well, like, yeah, but aside from, aside from the meals, you said, if you leave your stove at home and you have you oh, leave yeah, yeah, meals yeah, at yeah. home, like. Yes. Yeah, are you throwing nutter butters in there or skittles yeah or? i run a lot of nutter butters i run a lot of f-bomb stuff i'll run um a lot of beef jerky um okay. you know there's a million companies that make good protein bars and different you know i'm trying to run high calories low sugar uh ton of carbs ton of protein um throughout the day you know every few hours i want to have a little bit of something i try to hit 2500 to 3000 calories a day if i can that's counting everything from morning till night sure i mean i'd love to be able to run more than that but honestly you start pulling out the weight to what your day ratio is as far as in your pack and if you're going in yeah. for seven eight days you can't have 15 pounds of food it's just bottom line you just can't you know i mean you're right. just you're killing yourself on weight um you know, so I try to usually stay around a pound a day per food. And that's usually right in that 2,500 to 3,000 calories. So, you know, but a lot of my snacks are, like I said, high carb, high protein, not a lot of sugar. I don't like the crash. Sure. You know, not a, not a big fan of the sugar deal. Some guys, okay. man, they love, they, they love the sugar thing. I just, that for me, it's just not, <laughs> not for me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My favorite, uh, I mean, this is one that I made, I made a ton of these before I went is, uh, they're kind of they're kind of sticky and and nasty but at the same time they're so good and that is uh i'll take a tortilla shell load it with peanut butter and then pour some honey in there and then oh yeah rice krispies yep. Uh, yep. on top of that or whatever whatever crispy crunch i can get for yep. cereal at the time yep. and then i'll yep. roll that up and i'll bring like three or four of those with me a day <laughs> yep. oh yeah i know those are good man yeah. i run uh, bacon i run bacon and peanut butter sandwiches a lot oh yeah those yeah. are good because you can yeah, just, that's probably just, what i should do you can uh vacuum seal those you know and they'll stay for a while yeah oh yeah that makes sense um yep. okay so yeah food um and then as far as a shelter goes i i would imagine that's based on time of year and what you're hunting and and how you're doing all that because there's yeah. a lot of different shelters out there yeah so early season i usually run um run a lot of big agnes um, I got a big Agnes Fly Creek Ultralight 2. I've got their Tiger Wall. They're both like under two pounds. I cut a lot of stuff off mine. Like I cut extra loops and extra. I mean, you know, I really light my stuff up to where I'm under like two pounds with everything, steaks, the whole deal. Okay. Um, I run Kafaru teepees late season. You need a stove, a uh, source of heat. The Kafaru teepees are really nice. You know, so I mean, um, just kind of depends on the hunt. You know, yeah. um, I'm a floor guy. I don't like floorless shelters unless I'm going to run a teepee. If I'm going to run like my big Agnes stuff, they've all got the bathroom tub style floors. Um, I like to have a floor, just personal sure. preference, but I do. Um, I've run the tarps before where there is no floor and, and I can make them work, you know, but I'd rather have the floor. I, I just, I like the floor. Um, sure. 
far as a uh, sleeping bag, so I run all Western Mountaineering stuff. I run some Sitka bags, but Western Mountaineering is probably my go-to. I've got okay. um, I got an Alpine Light from them. I got a Badger. I got a couple of different ones, you know, zero degree bag, 30 degree bag. And I tell people all the time, you know, you can make a 30 degree bag work at zero or 10. If you want to layer up, you could wear your puffy jacket and your, you could actually wear your camo in your sleeping bag and you'd be okay. Like, you know, but me, I like to sleep with just boxers literally. So for me, like, I don't want to have to sleep in a bunch of shit. I roll around a lot. Like I don't like stuff being, you know what I mean? I just don't. <laughs> sure. So I've got a zero degree bag from like Kafaru. I've got 20, 30 degree bag from Western Mountaineering. I got like a, you know, another 30 degree bag from Sitka. So I've got a lot of bags I can mix and match there, but, um, I run a, uh, so your sleeping pads, very important. Okay. Um, you know, because that's going to keep you away from frost and away from the dampness off the ground. So like they, they rate all that off of R value, higher the R value, pretty much the better off the pad is going to be for like colder weather. Okay. So I got a, a Q core, a, what the hell is that? SQ core XL. It's from big Agnes. And um, okay. I love that thing. It packs up like a half a water bottle. It's seven, eight ounces, you know, I mean, it's, but it's like four and a half inches thick. So my sleep system's pretty dialed. It's taken me years to kind of get that dialed in. You know, I got a little camp pillow that'll pack down into nothing. Sometimes I bring it, sometimes I just use my puffy. Just kind of depends on, you know, what I'm doing. If it's going to be an extended hunt, a lot of times I'll bring the pillow and I'll use the pillow and the puffy combined just a couple nights i'll just usually run my puffy and, and not even worry about the pillow but uh you know that's kind of my sleep system there again pretty important kind of your lifeline too as far as if you're doing backcountry stuff you're living out of that it is your shelter so you know i'm pretty uh pretty picky about where i set up i'm not on the top of ridge lines i'll take my chances with wolves and bears and lions i don't worry about that shit but lightning man i'm not a I'm not a lightning guy. I used to always make up really good friends with Brian Barney over. Uh, shout out to those guys over at Eastman's Elevated. And I used to always, uh, we'd do a lot of hunts together. And he'd always talk about lightning. You know, he's that's like his biggest fear is lightning. He doesn't he doesn't give a shit about bears and all that. And I'm like, man, I don't know. Like, lightning's not. He's like, you wait till you get caught in your first big lightning storm, middle of the night. You got to dive off a mountain and get down into timber and leave your camp. And yeah, I was there a few years ago in Colorado, and I, I'm with him. Like fuck lightning. I'm good <laughs> like I'll take my chances with the with the fucking bears. Lightning, the lightning man. Lightning is no good. Yeah, lightning man. I'm not. I'm not a huge fan of that either. No, <laughs> especially when you're fun. up on a mountainside. Like yeah. that is not. Uh, that is not a fun thing to go after at all. No, <laughs> or to be not caught. Not ideal. In. Not ideal. Yeah. Oh man. All right. So I think that pretty much covers all the gear. Um, yeah. And was there, is there anything else that you've, what about water, water, water systems? Um, so I like to run, I've got a, uh, Sterilite pen and it's running off UV rays as far as killing bacteria. For me, that's been the easiest. I mean, I always carry little tablets, chlorine tablets in case I need them for a backup, but man, I'm not going to lie. I mean, they make the water taste like shit. I mean, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's better than nothing if like for a backup, but like, I'm just not a huge fan, not a huge fan of them. Um, I want to try to keep my water as, you know, crystal clear and clean as I can, as far as yeah. taste wise, you know, you're out there in the mountains, it's pretty clean water typically. So 
I try not to dilute it with those nasty chlorine pills, but <laughs> yeah, so I run a SteriPen. Um, I got okay. the little micro mini. It's two inches, probably weighs an ounce or two and twirl it around as she goes green and flashes and then that's it, you know, and it'll treat like 16 ounces at a time. So, I mean, you know, I run a Nalgene bottle with me and then I've got a life straw and another Nalgene usually at camp. Um, and I'll fill up, you know, those, keep those at camp, then run, run. Usually I'll take a life straw with me um, and I'll leave the two Nalgene's at, at camp and I'll run the, uh, the Nalgene or the uh, life straw with me. Cause that life straw, as you pour water into it, you suck through the straw, it's a filter. So it can be dirty ass water and you're still drinking clean water, which is pretty cool. You're out middle That's of the right. day around water. I mean, it sounds terrible, but I've drank out of alcohol those before. I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> like. <laughs> You know, I mean, and that's what you got, man. That's what you got. I mean, that's what I had for the day, and I made it work. It didn't taste the greatest, but I mean, <laughs> hey, I've only had I've only had Jardia twice, so I'm not doing too bad. <laughs> once I'm done. Oh, that is something that I am not interested in ever contracting. No, no, it's a great weight loss program, though. I've lost uh, 12 pounds one time and 14 the other. <laughs> oh, oh, man, but that's another story for another day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, well. Yeah, I think that pretty much kind of covers all the gear. Is there anything else, any other pieces of advice for anybody listening and wanting to go out West? You know, if they, I mean, if they're chasing muleys or a lot of people start out at elk. Um, yeah, yeah anything I mean, you can provide. Um, get good glass, uh, get a good bino harness. Um, I carry a lot of stuff in my bino harness. Um, that's important. That's another piece of system gear yeah. that I, you know, that's, that's pretty important. Um, Communication device. So I run a Garmin inReach mini clips on to my chest rig syncs to my phone. I can text anyone at any time during that. You've got the Oh shit button. I've almost had to push it before <laughs> a few years ago in Colorado and I twisted my ankle and um, fell. And, you know, I mean, I had to kind of make a decision on whether I was going to be able to get out of there or not. It is kind of nice to know that you could hit that. And you've got forest rescue. That's going to come to your exact location. And, and, you know, I mean, you've got an alternative, I call it the $30,000 helicopter button, but I mean, it, it is what it is. You know, if you need it, you need it. Um, right. That's yeah. You want to be able to communicate with the outside world in case shit goes bad. So, I mean, that's a big one. A um, co yeah. couple of different companies make them now, but I run the Garmin inReach, the mini um, been a huge fan of that. I run Onyx off my phone all the time. So these, these chargers are huge. Like we talked about, I usually have a couple of those. Um, keep one at camp and I usually have at least one or two with me and my cords, you know, but yeah, I mean, outside of that, I man, I think we've, we've covered most yeah. of it. Um, Range binder is the other one, but yeah. Yep. I'm running the, uh, the full draw four this year from loophole. Really, really impressed with it. Um, angle compensation. And then you, you add in, so you calculate all your arrow, like your, uh, your speed, your weight, length, all that. It'll actually show you where your highest peak would be. So like if there's a branch above a buck, it'll show you your arc to where you'd know if you're going to hit it or not. It's pretty freaking sweet. Like That's it's a badass. cool ass system. Yeah, it is really, really badass. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Chat. Yeah. I can see how that would be very helpful in certain scenarios. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Like I'm pretty, yeah, it's, it's pretty dope. Yeah. Really yeah. small too. I'm a, I'm a, I like a really little range finder. Um, something I can, you know, easily run one hand, you know, have my bow in the other, run it, drop it yeah. and, you know, piece of paracord let it hang and you know be able to pull a shot off right. so yeah that's an important piece optics are definitely huge no doubt um yeah. find a system that kind of works for you as far as 
you know, there again, buy once, cry once. I mean, everybody wants to, <laughs> on these style hunts, you're going to look through glass a lot. You don't want to have cheap glass where your eyes are burned out after an hour. So just, you know, keep that kind of in mind. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important. Uh, I, uh, with all of this gear, I think it's important to know it's not just for this hunt. Like you're going to use all oh, this gear no. all the time. So I think people, when, when, when you sit down and you're like, dude, I spent two grand on gear for this hunt. Yeah it's not for this hunt. Like that's the main reason you purchased it, but you're going to use it for the next 10 years. So oh, yeah. I, I like, I'm a big advocate of, I've done the, the buying you know, most people's buying patterns, right? You start at the cheapest entry level yep. stuff, then you get to mid level yep. stuff and then you get to the top tier stuff. And then yep. once you get to the top tier, you're like, I'm not going back to entry level shit. Yep. Um, and, and, and rather than spend the money on the entry level and the mid grade stuff yep. and then lose it and then have to go up to the top tier anyway, yep. just save your pennies and buy that top tier stuff. Unless you can't, uh, you know, then, then make do with what you got, but, but save right, up next right. year. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Um, well, that's all I got. Clint, if people want to find you, where can, where can they find you? Yeah, man. So I'm kind of a, uh, I'm kind of all over the place as far as podcasts go. Um, do a lot of stuff with the homies over at Working Class Bowhunter. Yeah. Shout out to Kurt and all the guys over there. Um, Eastman's Elevated. Uh, my good buddy Bo Martonic over there at East Meets West. Do a lot of stuff with them. Uh, as far as the writing world, we kind of covered that kind of all over the place. But main home base is Peterson's Bowhunting. Pretty much every issue, I'm, I'm in there. Uh, Instagram, Casper Clint, Facebook, Clint Casper. You guys can kind of follow me. I try to keep, I try, I, I do a lot of Instagram stories. I try to keep people up to date on hunts and, you know, everybody likes to do that. Um, yeah. likes to follow along and I try to keep up with, you know, try to keep people in the loop. You know, it's, it is kind of fun to kind of showcase where I'm at and what I'm doing and, and, you know, kind of share shit with people. Uh, it's always fun whenever guys are like, man, I watched your story or I saw this that you were doing and man, it made me want to go out and here I am. I'm elk hunting this year because of something I saw you do last year. So yeah, I do like that aspect. I mean, social media, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, I can do without <laughs> it, but I mean, honestly, it is cool to, you know, that, that aspect of it is cool as hell, but uh, yeah. yeah, man. So that's kind of where, kind of where I'm at as far as uh, people want to follow along and see what this idiot from Ohio is up to. That's <laughs> where you can find me. All right. Awesome. Well, thanks again for hopping on this morning. It's Friday morning. Uh, Clint's been in between picking. Uh, what are you picking right now? You're cutting wheat, right? Uh, yeah. Hard. Yeah. Getting wheat off and, and then, you know, as soon as it comes off, we're mowing, mowing straw and bailing it. And yeah, a lot of shit going on right now for sure. But uh, getting ready for these hunts and uh, yeah, man, yeah. it's getting close. It's getting close. It is. Yeah. Right now it's July. What is it? July 23rd. And you start, yep. are you taking, are you taking off on August like 13th or 15th? Uh, 14th. I'll fly out. 14th. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I, yeah, I'm excited to follow along and thanks everyone for listening. Appreciate your time. If you like to leave a review, uh, go follow Clint, find his stuff and, uh, we'll catch every, we'll catch you guys next time. Appreciate it. My man's been fun. All right. See you, Clint.